It is a great privilege and an honor to be here, and I definitely am undeserving of God's grace and mercy on my life and would not be here were it not for his mercy and his grace in my life. And so I am thankful to be here, thankful to hear uh, all of us worshiping together. You know, there's something to be said. You can sing in your car, you can sing in your shower, uh, but it's just not the same as singing in church and being able to worship together. Thank you, Brother Josue, Brother Samuel, and the instruments. Uh, you know, there's, there's also nothing like singing a cappella as compared to singing with accompaniment. And so uh, just wonderful to start this uh, Lord's Day uh, worshiping together and singing. And uh, I enjoy and uh, rejoice uh, when we get these opportunities to do that. Well, it is my great privilege to open God's Word and together to be able to see uh, what God's Word has to say. Because I can tell you right now that Pastor John has nothing to share of any value. Uh, I am a sinner just like you and I am in need of God's grace and mercy and his truth, uh, but I praise God that he gives us the opportunity and the privilege and the calling to be able to share his truth. And so these moments and these opportunities that I get, I try and do exactly that, and I want to take advantage of the time. Now, we have just spent about six months in the, in the, in the uh, book of Galatians, so you're going to get scared when I say go to Galatians, but we are going to go to Galatians just as a starting point here, and uh, it is a Christmas season, right? It's Christmas season. Uh, which um, I, I have decided here in the valley, we're going to rename Christmer uh, because it's summer Christmas. So we're going to go ahead and blend those together. Uh, apparently here in the valley, they did not get the memo that Christmas is supposed to be cold. No, uh, I, I did see the weather that I think towards the end of this week, it gets cold and then it stays cold through Christmas. All right. And so at least for the, for the valley, what is cold? 50s, 40s, uh, that'll be real nice. And, uh, and then we'll be complaining about it being too cold. And so now uh, we always have something to complain about about, right? But no, Christmas season, you know, uh, it's become a time of the year um, that many people use for their different purposes, right? Um, whether it be the mall, Target, Walmart, they have their purposes for Christmas. Um, the latest uh, show or the latest uh, Netflix series, they have their purpose in Christmas, right? Um, Disney, whatever it is, uh, something, there's always an angle right now being used for Christmas. But I felt like taking this morning to go back, and I really want to take this as kind of being a series, what we celebrate. It's my Christmas series, what we celebrate. And uh, just, uh, just a very uh, rudimentary, uh, fundamental return to the basics of Christmas and reminding ourselves, I don't know about you, but I think for myself, I need that refresher, that reminder of what it is that we celebrate and why it is that this season should be so important to us as Christians and how we should approach what it is that we are celebrating together. Um, as I thought about uh, what God would have for me to share this morning, I thought about my favorite verse. I was asking my kids a little bit earlier what their favorite verse of Christmas is. And uh, one of my sons was in a Christmas play this past week, and so he told me his lines because they came out of Luke. And so he said, for unto us a child is born unto us. And so uh, uh, they, he was all excited about that. And then uh, some other ones shared some different ones. And so they got to share, me, uh, share with me their favorite verse. And I was just, because it came to my mind because of what I was uh, thinking of sharing. Uh, but uh, just before you go thinking that I have it made with my good godly children, earlier in the week, I was talking to one of them, and I said, and the question question came up, Dad, are we going to have service on Christmas? And I said, yeah, it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. We're going to go to church on Sunday. And uh, he said, Dad, 
But if we go to church on Sunday, we're going to miss the good stuff. <laughs> and so, uh, so that reminded me some work that I have parenting-wise. All right, and so, uh, uh, but you know, it is easy to confuse that, right? To think about the fact that, oh, Christmas lands on Sunday and, uh, you know, us, you know, it's like, man, well, what about the Christmas present opening session that is so important? And what about, uh, you know, us being able to take our bikes outside or whatever it is we get and using them or playing with them and uh, the, the important stuff, the good stuff. Uh, Christmas is going to get in the way of the good stuff this year. But no, you know, we, we kind of need to take a look, a second look back at Christmas and be reminded of what it is that we are truly celebrating. We celebrate something. The Christmas series. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 is a verse that I really enjoy. It says there in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, it says this, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. You know, so much, uh, so much of the New Testament, so much of the gospels is dedicated to uh, the retelling of the Christmas story. And I'm really thankful. I'm thankful for Luke chapter 2. I'm thankful for Matthew. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for how it uh, uh, portrays all that takes place. When we go to a Christmas play, most of what we see is recounting uh, the Luke and the Matthew uh, story. But, you know, at the same time, I'm thankful because throughout the Bible, we find why we celebrate Christmas. You know, Christmas is not dedicated just to the reality of that scene there in the manger uh, with, the, with the, the, the cows and the camels and the wise men, though they shouldn't be there, but they're there in the nativity scene and, and the, the shepherds and all that took place there. The reality is that throughout the, God, throughout the, the Word of God, we find uh, what it is that we celebrate. And so this morning, I'd like to begin by sharing with uh, you the sermon ca I called, We Celebrate a Plan. We celebrate a plan. And, I, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with an acronym, but it's basically using the letters of a word to, to, to spell out something, right? And so, or to, the letters of a word uh, to be able to, to dis, uh, um, uh, describe something. And so I'm going to take those four uh, letters, P-L-A-N, a plan. We celebrate a plan. And I want to just uh, take us into the Word of God, and I believe uh, the truth from it will be applicable to uh, what, what it is and take us on this journey of reminding us what it is that we celebrate. But before we get there, I need God's help, and, and, and let's ask for God's direction and God's uh, uh, purposes to be accomplished this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, that word grace, it means so much. Where would we be were it not for your grace? Father, we thank you because it is uh, the fulfillment of that grace when you came to be born, when you came to take on flesh. Father, we thank you because it was the beginning of the end for sin in our lives and it was the beginning of the redemption plan. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue that work of grace in our lives. We need it now more than ever. And I need it now more than ever. And so I pray, Lord, that you would guide my thoughts and may our moments together be uh, something that will bring about great things in each one of our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Truth has been under attack for a long time. In fact, since the beginning, the enemy has been seeking to destroy truth. It is not new to our era that truth is under attack. But perhaps the mechanisms and the approaches to the destruction of fundamental truth 
is uh, kind of been taking adaptive and evolving in its uh, effectiveness. And I believe now more than ever, it has become more and more effective. When we think about Christmas, if you were to stop the normal person in the mall, or if you were to stop the normal person walk, walking through HEB or through um, Walmart, they may give you answers such as, well, it's family time. Well, it's, you know, wonderful. It's a season of giving. It's a wonderful season of giving. Man, it's just a joyful, spread the joy. It's Christmas. When we get down to it, we realize that Christmas is a celebration of a plan. When I look at Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, when the fullness of time was come. You see, that phrase reveals to me that there was a plan in action. And if you were to go through uh, the whole um, panoramic view of what it is we're celebrating, you would realize that that is the case. Um, I was reading an article that really captivated my attention. Um, in a book called Science Speaks, uh, this gentleman, Peter Stoner, he revealed the statistical improbability of one man, whether accidentally or deliberately, fulfilling just eight of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. The chances of this happening, they say, is one in 10 to the 17th power. If you're like me, that didn't blow me away. That was like, oh, okay. And, uh, but whenever I went a little bit deeper into this, this next uh, paragraph blew me away. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17th silver dollars and we lay them on the face of Texas. They would cover the entire state two feet deep. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state blindfold a man and tell him he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and say that is the right one. What is the chance that, that, that he would have of getting the right one? The same chances that the prophets would have of writing these eight prophecies and having all of them come true only in one man. From their day to the present time, it is amazing to think about what it is we're celebrating a special plan the reality is that jesus did not fulfill eight uh in fact in the specific way you could probably nail it down to about 47 in a broad way it's over 300 prophecies of the old testament that jesus fulfilled what we celebrate is a plan and when i think about plan i think about number one the p i think about the reality that that plan had a purpose that plan had a purpose. So on your little napkin or on your little notes, Pastor John, it's not the best at making the notes, so you got to make them yourself, all right? So uh, on your little notebook, notebook there, write P, purpose. There was a purpose in the plan. You see, when we think about the reality, um, yeah, this, this reminds me of something. Um, my wife and I lately uh, at night, the last 30 minutes of the night have been dedicated to a wonderful show. Uh, this wonderful show was popular in the 90s, and it was a, a, a show without purpose. It was a show about nothing. And so it was a, a show called Seinfeld. And uh, it was a, it's a very funny show. But uh, this show became popular because of the reality that it was a purposeless show. It was like 
like just literally there was not necessarily a, 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 a like if you watch a Netflix series today, there's a, something that uh, you're, you're, you're weaving in and out of a, a thriller or something like that. Well, Seinfeld was, was popular for being purposeless. There was just nothing to it. It just was life as it happened, you know? Um, but I thank God that his plan was not purposeless. It was purposeful. God had a purpose in this plan of redemption. When we celebrate Christmas, <coughs> we celebrate the purpose of this plan. You see, in Genesis 3.15, uh, you'll realize if you were to look there, that God planned to deliver a fatal blow to the devil and to the devil's curse of sin on this world. You see, Jesus' birth was the fulfillment of the avenue of the Father would use to deliver that blow. You see, in Genesis 3.15, it talks about how the snake would, uh, uh, would, would hurt uh, the, the, uh, the heel of man, but that man, the seed of the woman, would bruise or deliver that blow to the head of the snake. You say, well, what did that mean all those thousands of years before? What did it mean all those books before? Well, you see, what God was foretelling was the reality that through uh, the lineage of Adam and Eve, there would come one who would be born of man, but who would also be God in the flesh, and that he would be able to, through his perfect life, his perfect death, and his resurrection, deliver the ultimate death blow to sin and to the devil once and for all. We celebrate that during this season. We celebrate the fact that that plan was fulfilled on that fateful night there in Bethlehem when there on, uh, in, that, in that little stable, there Mary, the only one in all of history to give birth as a virgin, was able to give birth to that baby. And when you think about what it was, it was a purposeful plan coming to fruition. When we think about the reality that what we celebrate is a plan. You know, we live in a world that has gotten lost in so much. We live in a world that um, we, 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 we have an entire generation that spends uh, hours and hours, and if you add up uh, uh, days, weeks, and months, uh, playing video games and doing things that are so purposeless. You know, us as adults, uh, uh, sometimes if we're not careful, we get caught up, right, in the, in the, in the scrolling, and, and it's just there's no purpose to it. It just is something to do. But I thank God that God had a plan that had a purpose. He had a purpose, and that purpose was the redemption of mankind. Because you see, back in Genesis, that serpent, the devil, was able to bring a curse across mankind, and he was able to bring curse into the world, and it affected all of the descendants of Adam and Eve, including you and I, these thousands of years later. And every day we walk out of these doors and we fight against temptation. And every morning we wake up and there it is, that sin and that flesh-filled nature. And it fights against us and it struggles. And every single day it seems it's just a battle to do what's right and to live what's right. And, and, and before we know Christ, we are inept and we are incapable of being able to do that. But I thank God that there was a plan and there was a purpose to that plan. There would be a redeemer that would come and purchase us and would come and pay the ultimate payment for death. And when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the beginning of the end of that plan. We celebrate 
purpose. Not only do we celebrate a purpose, something that was meant for something greater. You see, it was not just about that manger scene. It was about what that baby meant. It was God in the flesh. And that child would grow perfect in every way. Luke tells us that. And then he would live a perfect life. And then at the age of 33, he would be willing to go to a cross and be crucified for us. And there on that cross, he paid for our sins. He paid the debt that you and I could not pay. And three days later, he rose again to sit at the right hand of the Father and to intercede on behalf of every single person that calls upon his name. I thank God that we celebrate a plan, a plan with a purpose, a plan that is life-altering, letter L, the plan that is life-altering. Go with me to Acts chapter 9. I do want you to see this. Go with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. And here in Acts chapter 9, we actually have the author of uh, who would later rate, uh, uh, write the book that we just studied for the last six months of Galatians, and in fact would write a great number of the books of the New Testament. His name was Paul. In this portion of the story, his name is Saul, and this was pre his conversion. In fact, this is his conversion. And I want you to read with me there. It says, and while Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, in verse number one, against the disciples of the Lord, he goes into the high priest and he desires to go to this place, the city called Damascus. And so he's going to that city, uh, not as a vacation site, not as a, on a business trip. He's going there to try and find Christians to kill, to torture, and to drag off, to be destroyed and separated from their faith and separated from their loved ones. And while he is on the road there, verse number four says, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. We find here the reality that that baby in a manger grew up to be a perfect man, 33 years old. And he dies on a cross and is buried. And he rises again on the third day. And unlike every other founder of every other religion, he is the only one that continues to be alive today. And this appearance here reminds us of that reality that we celebrate a plan. A plan that had a purpose a plan that is life-altering because Jesus is alive, because Jesus makes a difference, because Jesus is real. And here Saul on the road to Damascus, he comes and he encounters that baby from the manger many, many years later. But he's, he continues to say, I am Jesus. And then in verse number six, it says at the end, arise and go into the city and it shall be told unto thee what thou must do. And if you were to continue to read there um, in verse number 15 of Acts chapter 9, it says this, And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he, is for, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
And from that point forward, uh, this was Jesus' words to the prophet Ananias, and and he was going to go and help minister and and, uh, be the disciple maker for Paul. And here we find that from that point forward, Saul became Paul, and his life was never the same. His encounter with the Redemptor, with the great Redeemer that is Jesus Christ, left his life altered. And you know what is true of what happened in Saul slash Paul's life is true of your life and my life today. When we come to encounter that baby from the manger, when we come to encounter what is the fulfillment of the plan, what we celebrate during this season Our life is altered. Paul was never the same. God's plan had altered his life. I ask you, I ask me, how about you? How about me? Let's celebrate that Jesus altered our life. During this Christmas season, when somebody is there in the store and they say Merry Christmas and you get to talk to them and you're in that long line at Ross that wraps around the store three times and you're sitting there, may we be reminded of the reality that we should share with somebody the fact that what we celebrate is a life-altering plan. That Jesus came and rescued us from our sins. He did a work in us that we could never do for ourselves, that he altered our lives. You know what the devil fights to do? He fights in our lives as Christians to try and smear that reality as much as possible. He tries to hide that reality. He tries to tempt us and push us so that what is the the altered life that Jesus wants to fulfill in us will no longer be fulfilled. May God help us during this Christmas season to celebrate the life-altering plan that God has enacted on us. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, John 129 tells us. We celebrate the fact that all has been changed because when he came into the world, he was able, he was capable, he was the only one worthy to be able to take the sins of the world away. We celebrate this Christmas, a plan that had a purpose, a plan that was life-altering, a plan that is active, a plan that is active. You know, many parts of our world are discouraging right now. I don't know about you, but during the last several elections and things like that in the political world, I've gotten to the point where I can't even watch the news. It's just it's so, you, you, you almost feel like turning to heaven and being like, God, what, what are you going to do something about this mess? And sometimes uh, we have some people that push forward an idea that, you know, if there is a God, God, yeah, maybe he created some stuff, but he's detached. Look at the world around us. Clearly he's detached himself. Look at all the pain and suffering. Clearly God is just not involved. He's not active anymore. Can I tell you something? You know what we celebrate this Christmas season? We celebrate that God's plan is active. It's active. It's not dormant. He's not asleep. He's not ignoring the reality. God's plan is active. 
God the Father, our creator, was, is, and will continue to be active in every part of the redemption plan. Can I tell you this this morning? God wants to be able to be an active part of your life. And the only reason that that is not true in your life and in my life at times is only because we don't give him room. Because the reality is, is that he is always seeking to be an active part of our lives. His plan is in in action. It doesn't work on our timeline. It doesn't work according to what uh, we, we, the way we think it should work. It works according to his timeline. It works in the ways that he wants it to work. And I can tell you this, that his plan is perfect if we submit to it. He has an active plan. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. This again, coming from that same person that a few chapters before had come into that life-altering encounter with Jesus Christ. Oh, that plan had, li- had left his life altered. But I want you to see this in verse of Romans 1, 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of from the dead. Verse number five says, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. You know what Paul was living out? He was living out God's active plan in his life. You know why Paul was considered the greatest uh, Christian to ever live? Because uh, I can tell you this, he daily surrendered to God's active plan in his life. You know when Pastor John has a miserable season, miserable days in my Christian life, it's when I don't surrender to God's active plan in my life. When I fight against it and I go after my own fleshly desires, when I go after my own way of thinking and my own way of acting, man, it is those times when uh, bad things happen in my life. But I praise God that we celebrate a plan. We celebrate the reality that there was a purpose to that plan, that within that plan there is a life-altering experience, that within that plan there is a God who is active in our lives. Christmas is not a celebration of a 2,000-year-old event. It's a celebration of God actively pursuing mankind that was and is lost in sin and corruption. That's what we celebrate We don't celebrate one night where this special baby was born and a certain star appeared and some shepherds came uh, uh, running with some good news of an angel appearance. No, we celebrate the fact that God today actively is trying to do something in each one of us. That he actively wants to rescue our marriages and rescue our families. That he actively wants to save the lost from the punishment and from the torture that sin brings into their lives. That we actively see God in our midst. Though sin and corruption is around us, God's plan has not been fulfilled. It's not done yet. He's still actively in it. May we realize today that Christmas is a celebration of a plan. A purpose-filled, life-altering, active plan. When we look at all that God has accomplished, we can take heart in the reality that God is still at work. 
I'm thankful for the Old Testament. I'm thankful that we see all the flaws and imperfections, and yet God's love spread out. Thankful for the New Testament, where we see faith with a spirit-filled fire and the development of God's perfect plan of redemption and you and I having a chance to be a part of that. I don't know if that excites you, but I hope it does. I hope this Christmas season you are excited that we celebrate a plan, an active plan. It's a purpose-filled plan. It's a life-altering plan. It's an A, active plan. It's an N, never-ending plan. You know, uh, this I didn't get to go this past uh, uh, Christmas uh, season, but um, the Valley Symphony and Orchestra, they um, always put together uh, this big uh, uh, Christmas celebration, Touch of Frost is what it's called. And, and uh, uh, there's uh, all these musical pieces that they play of different Christmas uh, things and things like that. But it always ends. Anybody know what it ends with? Anybody knows what song that is? You know, Handel's Messiah. It's, it's uh, Handel's Messiah. And, and they, they have this song. It's the Hallelujah song, right? And usually at the end, everybody in the auditorium uh, uh, stands up as, as uh, this is played. And if you've ever been at a choral uh, uh, um, a rendition of this as well, of Handel's Messiah, they'll do the same thing. But it, it's, a, it's a, a rendition of, of these words. And he shall reign forever and ever. And he shall reign forever and ever. You know, when I think about what we celebrate in Christmas, I'm thankful that his plan is never-ending. When I think about his plan, his plan goes into, it started in Genesis 3.15 when he said the seed of the woman would come and bruise the head of that serpent. But it goes all the way through Revelation where it says time and time again, as it says in Revelations 5, 12 and 13, and he shall reign forever and ever. You know what we celebrate in Christmas? We celebrate the fact that God is still at work and forever will be. I'm thankful that, you know, we maybe 2022, we went to a place where we left there temporarily the body that housed one of our loved ones, but I'm thankful that his plan of redemption doesn't end there. I'm thankful that we have a hope that is never ending because when we think about what we celebrate in Christmas, we celebrate a plan that is never ending where the Messiah, oh, that baby that was born in that manger, that nativity scene, it, it, it sprung forth from there. That was the seed that was going to bring forth all the fruit that was going to be your and my life being redeemed and purchased by the blood of the Messiah. And dear friend, what we celebrate in Christmas is a never-ending plan where God has eternal purposes for our lives. And though here on this earth we may make mistakes, we may falter, we may fail, we may sin before God, but I thank God that he doesn't give up on us and that he continues in his grace and in his patience to work on our behalf. And one day he will take us to heaven and together we will continue that perfect, amazing plan. Oh, this morning we don't have time to talk about all that is there, but it is enough to say that it is never-ending, and that is a good thing because it is a Savior that has a never-ending plan that will be at work in our lives. 
Dear friend, I hope that you take heart this morning. I hope that you walk out of here with a desire to celebrate Christmas with fresh eyes and a fresh vigor. To say, you know what? This is something special that we're celebrating. Christmas is more than trees and ornaments. It's more than cookies and fairy tales of Santa Claus. All of that is fun and in its place. Can I tell you this? We celebrate a plan. A plan that has a perfect purpose. It's life-altering. When you come to an encounter with that Jesus, he changes everything. Oh, he's active today, this moment. He wants to do something about your condition. He wants to change all that chain that is around you, that sin has you in. Oh, he is active. He's active in our world. He wants to be active in your life. And you can take heart as you look towards the future and knowing that it's a never-ending plan. He will continue for eternity to work in us. I thank God that we celebrate a plan. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your truth. Father, your word has so much to tell us about this season and this time of the year. Father, there's a lot of the historical nature that we can celebrate as we think about King Herod, as we think about the moments and those occasions of all that took place in that wonderful nativity scene. But Father, it is more than a 2,000-year-old event. Father, we celebrate the plan that you had from Genesis forward. Father, we thank you because we celebrate the fact that you did not give up on mankind. Though you could have. You could have scrapped the project and said, well, man chose sin and there it ends. But Father, because you loved us unconditionally, you had a plan for redemption, a purpose to see sin destroyed and the father of sin demolished. You are actively pursuing those in which you can create a life-altering experience in their life. Thank you, Father, that in our lives you have done that. Those of us that are your children here today, this morning. Thank you, Father, that you are active in our lives and that your plan has never ended. I pray, Father, that if there be one struggling this morning, maybe they had not thought of Christmas in that light. Maybe sin has recently robbed their joy of celebrating Christmas. I pray, Father, that you would work in their lives. I pray, Father, that there is somebody who has never encountered that life-altering moment in their life, that before it is eternally too late, that they would place their faith and trust in you. And that the redemption story and the redemption plan would be effective and active in their lives today. I pray, Father, that you would work in every heart and every life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Perhaps this morning you'd say, Brother John, uh, in my life there are some aspects of the celebration of the plan of Jesus Christ that I needed to look at and examine and really make some decisions in my life to adjust some things in my life that are not right. Brother John, would you pray for me as God works in my life this morning? Would you slip your hand up? I'd like to pray for you, knowing that God spoke to you this morning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, hands. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. All over the auditorium. I would be remiss not to at least invite you, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, to consider the fact that he loved you and loves you so much that he was willing to leave the glories of heaven 
and come to this earth and die for your sins. And today he invites you to a personal relationship with him if you'll place your faith and trust in him. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you would work in every heart and every life. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.